man, I'm excited about tonight because I've never taught on what I'm teaching on. I've, I've lived it and I've walked it for since my nervous breakdown when I was 30, about to turn 50, which seems so odd. If you're 50 and here older, that's just so weird to me because in my mind, you're never supposed to get old. It's just like, how am I about to turn 50? I have a mentor named Mike. He's 68. He's like, would you stop talking about that? I'm 20 years older than you. It just feels so old. A lot of the stuff that I'm going to teach, um, all of it came from a fetal position to sonship. I didn't read some stupid book on this stuff. I lived it. And I thought God was uh, sadistic, distant, out to get me. I was basically a practicing self-flogger and self-cutter. I lived in self-hatred and didn't know it. And, you know, if you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. If, you're, if you meet someone that's deceived, they don't know it. <laughs> but boy, I had a radical encounter with Jesus a long time ago. I was in a counseling session with my wife. We were in Titusville, Florida. I was with this spiritual warfare doctor named Dr. Roger Bain. He had three locks on his doors. So coming from a Baptist world into this charismatic thing where the doctor, counselor, person has locks on his doors. And I said, why do you have locks on your door? Do you remember this? He said, there's so much witchcraft against my wife and I. Sometimes we feel in danger. We just lock up our office. And I'm thinking, I am not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> the first Baptist church farmers out here on growing up. I'm like, what? And uh, boy, he led me in a prayer. And I, I prayed a simple prayer. She was there. And this is all Roger said. Lord, show him how good you are. What do you want to show him? I don't know what to call it. Then, now I know what it was. It was an open vision. Open vision is not faint. It's more real than this. The Lord walks up to me. There's two angels beside him. One is nine feet. One is six feet. I was a Baptist that went to Beeson Divinity School. I have no grid for this stuff. The Lord looks right at me. He looks a lot like you, Brandon. It's a little bit eerie, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm not exaggerating at all. The other day we were talking. I'm like, Lord, this is awkward. I'm being literal. He said one thing to me twice. I'm your healer. Trust me. It was not his power that knocked me out of the chair. It was his love. I have never before since felt anything like that. And I realized I had a problem on my hands because Hebrews 1 says he's an identical twin to his father. You see, I had so many father wounds in my life that I viewed the, I viewed the father. I'll call him Abba a lot tonight. It seems odd to some people. I get it. Aramaic term. For father, it's the intimate term that Jesus called his heavenly father. I viewed Abba, the father, through the lens of my dad. That was problematic in about 25 different ways. And when I met Jesus, I had enough sense in me of like, I have got a theological problem on my hands because you're the kindest person I've ever met. And you only did what you saw your father doing. 20 years later, I'm not the same person. Thank God. But I want to talk about seven steps to getting really, really, really close to God. Seven steps on how to do it. And I want to start off. I want to start off with this. Before we go to the slides, I want you to go to Romans 14. And I don't say this to scare you because it's not scary, but it is sobering. You know, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And uh, fear of the Lord is different than being scared of him. But a lot of us, uh, the enemy has really lulled us to sleep. It's like a spiritual ambient. And I need to tell you something. The word in Greek is bima. But I, I want to tell you that everyone in this room, every single person in this room, we're going to stand at the bima seat of the Lord. 
the judgment seat and everything done in the body uh, will be laid bare and we're going to be held accountable to what we did with our lives. Now, thank God, because of Calvary, our sins will not be in play on that day. Sin has been dealt with. But here's the but. And I love doing this. Everybody say but. but. I love saying that, church. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that what I've done with my life is not going to be laid bare and I'm going to be held accountable for the Lord. i got so many words for you. i got to give them now or the Holy Spirit's not going to let me speak. It's about, I can't even hardly talk. Okay, the other night when we were together, I saw that you've had many powerful moments with Jesus in the private. You've laid your business down, your life down, your kids down, everything down because you have. I see this uh, Timothy company thing coming for you. And I said, Father, what is that? And you're very successful in business, and he's going to make you more and more and more and more successful. But here's going to be your target the rest of your life. He's going to bring you young entrepreneurs that are going to draft off of you for two purposes. Everything I'm about to talk tonight, but you're also going to train them in your craft. And there, you've made some vows to the Lord. You have given it all to the Lord. And Ephesians 1.17 talks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, this seems weird to some people. Just look at it through the word. It'll make sense. Angels do the Father's business. They're, they are sent. If we knew how many times we think we're doing stuff, and no. And remember, Gabriel talks to Mary. And, God, and so in the angelic, a minister of finance has been assigned to you. And favor accidentally happens. It's because of your humility. You've already surrendered it to Abba. But you're going to see more of the angelic's presence in your life, specifically in wealth. But what's going to begin to happen? And some of these people you don't even know right now. The Father's going to bring you Timothy's. And I see this Timothy company. I see you sitting on a chair. And, and they're going to come from everywhere. A lot of it's going to be online. And you're going to free, you know, freely receive, freely give. People get tripped up in the marketplace because they begin to believe they're the one bringing the harvest. And you know, you know in your knower, you don't, it's him. And because of that, I see these young entrepreneurs. And I see you old and you give away your wisdom. Freely you've received, freely give. And as you do that, more businesses, it's, you're going to have to tell the Lord to stop. Like, stop it. There's, there's a Jewish blessing on your bloodline. There's a Jewish blessing on your business. All right, now I can speak. All right. Okay. All right, here we go. This is a little intense, but don't blame me. I did not write Romans. I did have a dream. I was in a uh, boat with Paul recently. We were going to Cyprus. I didn't write this. Don't get mad at me. Of course, if you do, Chell can deal with it. I'm flying back home tomorrow. <laughs> Romans 14, verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Let's get so practical, you have to hire someone to help you misunderstand. I was laughing about... Uh, Mark looking like Bezos. Uh, let's talk about the money that Bezos has compared with Elon Musk. Let's take those two. That's probably right there. Goodness gracious. $400 billion maybe. All right, when their spirit leaves their body, how much of their money will they leave on the earth? Okay, all of it. But here's the point of this passage. We're all going to stand before the Lord. So here's the elementary question. What then do we take with us when our spirit leaves our body, to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord, Stephen said, Lord, receive my spirit. He's being stoned. Jesus on the cross said, Father, into your hands I give you my spirit. So we're spirit, soul, body. All this is is a body. 
when we stand before the Lord and the Father one day, what is it that we do take with us? Now, I want you to think very practically here. I met Daniel tonight. You said you lost 50 pounds in the last year and a half. Okay, that's physical capital. A capital is something that you can measure. Uh, I could right now take my blood pressure and it would show up on a, you know, whatever it is on the meter. I could weigh in. I'm, I'm this tall, whatever. You can measure relational capital. How many intimate friends do you have? It's not subjective. It's objective. I'm at your house the other night. It's pretty easy. I don't even know you. And I can tell you right there because I can look at it. Uh, intellectual capital. How many books have you read in the past month? It's subjective. But the one capital that seems to trip everybody up is spiritual capital. Number one, we really don't know what it is. Number two, we sure as heck don't know how to measure it. The Lord does. He knows what it is and he knows how to measure it. I'm not going to take any of my money with me when I go. I'm not going to take my bride with me when I go. I'm not going to take this physical body with me when I go. Oh, but there is something that you and I will take when we go. And what if I told you that I could prove to you biblically that how you steward spiritual capital down here determines what your assignment will be throughout all eternity? Just sit on this for a second. I'm 20 years into this. I didn't read somebody's book. It's what the Father has shown me. I've been studying the judgment seat for about five years. When he showed me that the judgment seat is the reward seat and it's not about my sin, I became so curious. I said, what else do I not know? And he said, what you steward here has an impact on what you will steward forever in the new world. And he said, Chad, I've used Dave Ramsey to help people with financial capital. You're going to release the local church more and more to your spiritual son, Michael, and I'm going to begin to open up doors for you to train people the way Ramsey has in financial capital. You're going to train them in spiritual capital. So God brings into my life a very wealthy man from the marketplace who's my mentor, who has the highest spiritual capital of anyone I know, we started this, this podcast thing. We shifted our Coach and Joe podcast into helping marketplace leaders understand what spiritual capital is, how to measure it, and grow in it. It's like Drucker said. All successful people can measure growth. Imagine uh, Georgia playing Alabama this past year in Indianapolis, and they don't keep score. You wouldn't go. Really. Or you go to school, and there's no syllabus, and you're not earning a degree. You just sit there. All successful people can, can measure steps along the way of what we consider success. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to explain spiritual capital is this. Your measurable connection to the Father. Passion is overrated. The men who flew the planes into the Twin Towers were more passionate than anyone in this room. Passion with the plan and understanding of what that capital is can change your life. Here's what spiritual capital is. It's friendship with God, and I'm telling you, you can't measure it. So let's just jump in here and go through some of these slides. Do we have that, uh, that quote for Oliver Wendell Holmes? Right, look at this. A moment's insight is sometimes worth a life's experience. Let's just sit on that for a second. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm, I'm not against that. It's just I'm not wired that way. But I am saying this. Your life can literally change in the next 25 minutes. Truth has never set anyone free in the kingdom. It's the truth that you believe, receive, and walk out that sets you free. Truth on its own really is amoral. I can take seven bricks right now and attack jail with them. Or I can take seven bricks and begin to build a house. Social media is not the problem. 
I can read the word on social media or I can look at heaven knows what on social media. It's really um, truth. Truth on, truth on its own is not that big of a deal. The, the Jews had their covenant cutting God on their hands and could not receive from the Father in the flesh in Jesus. The truth wasn't the problem. It was their ability to receive it. Nicodemus said, hey, can we talk? Something's, you're different. Nicodemus got a hold of spiritual capital. And see, what the devil did is he realized he couldn't defeat the church, so he just joined it and convinced the church that eternal life is going to heaven when you die. No, it is not. Eternal life is spiritual capital. Eternal life is intimacy with God. Now, if you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you go to heaven when you die. That's not the conversation. Jesus never preached it. He only mentioned born again one time in four gospels at three in the morning with no crowd. And now when we build churches upon that theology, well, if you died right now, brother, and you got run over by semi-hauling hogs, and you're breathing, spitting blood on the side of the road, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? When's the last time you heard someone say, how close are you to the Father right now? And you say, Father? You're talking about God? Well, I'm going to go there. Eternal life is close, intimate connection with the Father. I have identified through my own broken journey, and my wife can give testimony. There's nothing fancy about me, but the Father is the, my best friend. I, 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 I wish the Lord would come back tonight. Here are seven steps that God has shown me in the last 20 years. It, it is impossible to be really good friends with God, with the Father. I don't, I'm not talking about what you believe in about the afterlife. You received him as your Lord and Savior. The purpose that Jesus came to the earth was to reveal the Father. Jesus came here to reveal the Father. 95% of God's kids in the church don't know the Father. So we put things like, oh, that's a little too charismatic, words of knowledge and healing and all that kind of stuff. Well, what do you do with Jesus? Like all Jesus did was talk about the Father and lead people to freedom. All religion does is stay away from the Father and lead people to bondage. And a lot of people, honestly, they're scared to death of letting their kids watch movies or social media. You should be as concerned about what church your kids are growing up in because the devil realized he couldn't defeat the church, so he just joined it. And he stands behind most pulpits in America. Spirit of religion is the nastiest spirit to deal with. Here's how you defeat the spirit of religion. You have to throw it in the spirit of religion. You have to throw truth in the middle of that religious lie. Spirit of religion is, is horrific. So, okay, what do you do? Prayer is wonderful. I love prayer. Developing a house of prayer is powerful what y'all are doing from 6 to 7. We're passionate about that. I'll tell you what else is what we're passionate about. Truth. So let's, let's go through this. Spiritual capital is a close connection to the Father. Here are seven steps that will help you increase in spiritual capital. And before I start, let me say this. At a modest 10% return, if a 16-year-old puts $100 in an account, some brokerage account, at a 10% return, the first, I don't know, 10 years, it's no big deal. That kid, at just 10% of $100 a month and never increasing it, by the time that kid's around 50, the amount of money accrued in compound interest is ridiculous. And that's at a small return. Spiritual capital works the same way. The principles I'm talking about, you don't do them one time. It's over and over and over and over. Repetition is the mother of success. Now, here's the deal. Satan convinced the church, all you need to do is make a decision, do you believe in Jesus or not? The way that most of us have heard the gospel explained, a devil could get born again. A wicked spirit. Hey, yeah, I believe Jesus is Christ. What are we doing? So these are principles, I mean, every day. 
Just every day, metanoia, chewing on them. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. Here we go. Step number one, they're all big, but this one is a really, really big one. To understand what the Father is like. I love the prophetic. I love Rhema. Go to Genesis 1 and 2 and read it 1,000 times yourself. Quit being like a parasite. Quit hopping around from conference to conference to looking for that person who's deeply connected to the Father. Live off the vine yourself. Many of us have made other people our vines. Get in Genesis 1 and 2 and read it so much that it gets down into your subconscious and you will see this. The Father always desire connection. I've never had a, a duck walk up to me and bark. A dog is programmed to bark. Alarm clocks are programmed to go off. A duck is programmed to quack. The original intent of the father, his true posture of his heart, it's in Genesis 1 and 1 and 2. And here's the word I would put on, connection. So here comes a human element. Well, I, I, I sure don't feel that. Maybe for the first time in your life, in my life, just take that pacifier right out that mouth and say, I'm going to stare at Genesis 1 and 2 until it becomes my reality. That's step one is saying, what, what are you like? The greatest journey of life, I, I decided years ago, I'm only here for one thing. I want to discover the Father's personality the rest of my life. He told me about four years ago, he said, you do not understand finances like I do, and you need to repent. And I said, I don't understand. And he said, you have spent so much time on spiritual capital that I, you don't understand that I actually also value financial capital. He said, I'm going to show you how to build wealth. I had to do more repenting on that than I about did on anything in my life. When you discover the Father's personality, it hits every area of your life, including finances. Because of my relationship with the Father, we just sold our house about a month ago. We got way more than what we were asking for. We're taking a bunch of money on profit, investing it into a business. Doors have already blown open. I just bought 12 acres. God's showing me a lot of stuff. Do you understand spiritual capital influences your finances more than anything, anything, more than any seminar you will learn, more than any degree that you will get? Developing a high level of spiritual capital brings a return on the earth and in heaven. I think it's kind of important. Jeremiah 33.3, God gives his secrets to his closest friends. Four years ago when I started repenting, I would see the numbers 333 everywhere I went. We flew to Israel. We flew on Airbus, 30, Airbus 333. We landed at gate 33. It was 333 everywhere I went. Jeremiah 33.3. Do you know that God is a lot like us in that you would not share your secrets with someone you didn't trust? As you grow in trust from the Father trusting you, he will begin to give you more of a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I'm, I'm preaching good. All right. Step number two. So he's always desired connection. Step number two is what gives, uh, key number two is what gives a lot of people trouble. There are people that literally believe that God is the author of sin and the initiator of disconnection. There are millions and millions and millions of people around the world that have been tripped up by a doctrine of demons that's based in this, that God is the author of sin. And if you believe that, your life will follow that. And every calamity that comes your way, you will just associate that it comes from the hand of the Father, not realizing that the enemy seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, but the Father's actually seeking 
to give you life and have it abundantly. What you're talking about tonight, Jen, it would be amazing if that stuff automatically happened. But the truth is you have to, you have to fight to rest. You have to lean in to get free. There are a lot of things that people, even in this room, were thanking the Father for, thinking it's coming from his hand, and it's not. There are people that the enemy gets under a spirit of poverty, and they just think, this is just the way the Father wants me. Mm-mm. I'll never forget a couple years ago, I said, I didn't even know what a HELOC was. I had to repent. I said, Father, he started showing me, think the way I think. Partner with me and partner with truth, and truth will lead you out of bondage in many areas. So it's just really important to understand the second key. God did not want. <laughs> if, I, if I were to speak at certain conferences and I said this, they'd yank me off stage. My, my, uh, what I'm about to say, my Hebrew professor at Beeson Divinity School 20 years ago, his name was Dr. Ken Matthews. He was one of the eight men that interpreted the Dead Sea Scrolls. I asked him, I said, why? I basically asked the age-old question in the front of the room. What happened in Genesis 3? Because it makes us feel better to say God caused it. It just makes us feel better because you explain so much in your life. And I said, I said, why, why, why would the father make me if he knew this was going to happen? And he looked down and uh, he knew that I'd mentioned I was getting married soon. He said, are you, are you about to get married? He took his glasses off. He claimed them. I'll never forget this. I said, yeah. He said, you think your wife will ever disappoint you? And I said, hmm. And he said, the older you get, you will understand that love gives. And he said, you're, you're asking a theological question void of agape. And he said, Chad, you're going to go on a, a discovery journey. That the enemy got involved with Genesis 3. And the father had a plan in place even before that. And he slayed his own son before the foundations of the earth. But for your own growth and spiritual capital, you have to understand God did not want that disconnection to happen in Genesis 2. You see, why does it matter? Because disconnection is going to come our way along the path sometimes twice a day. And if I don't understand that what we messed up, what God set up in Genesis 3, I'm behind the eight ball. Let's go to key number three that I have found. God yearns to know us intimately. I want to look at two passages that changed my life. I'm, a, I'm about to graduate from Regent University. I'm getting my doctorate and I'm writing a dissertation on this, on spiritual capital, what it is. There's a Hebrew word called Yadah and a Greek word called Gnosko. Both are scandalous in the early world. Yadah shows up in Genesis 4.1. Adam, Yadah, Eve, and they conceived. You do the mental math there. And then Gnosko was a Jewish idiom for sexual intimacy inside the context of marriage. In Jeremiah 9, this is what God says. If any man boasts, boast that he Yadahs me. That would have spun the early hearer into a frenzy. I love that word tonight, by the way, what you shared here. Yada, this is pre-cross. And when he gets to Philippians 3 and he says, this is Paul at the end of his life in a jail cell, probably last letter he wrote, we're not totally sure. He says this, I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. The word knows, gnosko. They would have looked at Paul like he's an absolute idiot. I'm going to be on the Sid Roth show this Thursday. God put me on that show um, Sid has a global audience. There's a lot of people. You want to know why Sid's put me on the show? I have a book coming out called Your Mess is Your Message. I'll tell the story of my nervous breakdown, and I'm, he's going to interview me on one word, Gnosko. I see lots of uh, 
Wild things happen when I travel and minister. I've seen feathers fall on people when I pray for them. I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen the prophetic operate on such a level that people get freaked out over it. But the one thing that hits people the hardest is not all that stuff. It is a true revelation on Gnosko. The bravest thing you'll ever do is put your emotions aside and your inexperience of this truth aside and trust that reality over what you feel. God yearns to know you whether you know that or not. I feel his pleasure right now on me. When I used to travel and speak, it's funny. We care so much about what people think, isn't it? When you realize that the God of the universe... At nighttime, if he, there is such thing, if he had a wallet, he's got a picture of you in it. Do you really care what someone thinks about you? I had a heavenly encounter a few years ago. God said, I'm going to take you through a, a season of gossip and slander to train you in love. And I said, how about let's don't do that? <laughs> My wife and I have been through hell the last three or four years. And I'm closer to him now than, than I was before. It's you just get to it. When you get to the end of yourself, pastors need to hear this more than anybody. When you get to the end of yourself, you can get a serious case of the happies. Jesus goes in the wilderness, Satan tempts him with three things approval, ambition, and appetite. If if you can have those three things crucified, the devil will get to where he don't know what to do with you anymore. He yearns to know you. That'll drive you. Number four, the need for Jesus' death and resurrection was a matter of life and death. Um, I want to read this passage. So this is, these are sons of the high priest go to worship God. Look what God does to, do, does to them. Do we have those passages? If not, I'll read it or tell us. Okay, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Uh, thank God for Jesus. I mean, you just got to remind yourself every once in a while, especially when you're ready to judge your spouse. Look into the mirror and say this. Say this out loud. Chad, you put Jesus Christ on the cross. What keeps a person humble is realizing, do you understand why Jesus had to die? It ain't just about your neighbor. It's about you. You put him there. It helps keep me low and help keeps me dependent upon the only solution for the world's biggest problem ever, sin. These are not just two bozos. These are Aaron's sons. God ate them like a snack. Can you imagine? Hey, how was, you know, guest speaker infusion, how was it? Well, kind of awkward. Fire came down and ate six pastors that visited. Huh? He said, what are you talking about? It happened. Keeps you low. <laughs> All right, number five. The Father loves us as much as he loves Jesus. This was the biggest, excuse me, moment of my life with the Father. I'll tell you a little bit of my story here. I, I didn't know what prophetic was. I thought charismatics were crazy. I didn't know, I, I didn't know anything about any of that. I mean, <laughs> it's funny now. I, I met... I met uh, someone from the uh, vineyard t- tonight, and John Wimber is such a, a part of my life in the last 15 years. Going back to the pre-days before I even knew about prophetic, I didn't know any of this stuff. 
I just started getting in the Word. This is about 20 years ago. And I, I realized I can talk to you and you will talk back to me. This is bizarre. They, they put people in the same song for this kind of stuff. And I'm reading My Sheep Shall Know My Voice. And I'm reading Corinthians. This is before I even knew what words of knowledge were. I went to hear this guy speak. He looked at me. He prophesied so accurately over me. It scared me. I've got a $140,000 seminary degree on my wall and I didn't know that God would talk to you. And this is the one truth that changed my life. Two verses. Chad was once alienated, hostile in mind, performing an evil deeds. But now Jesus has presented Chad Darns before the Father, wholly blameless and beyond reproach. I said, let me get this straight. I remember where I was in my wife's Honda Accord, black Honda Accord. I pulled up. I was in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And I said, you're telling me I'm as clean as Jesus. I heard him laughing. See, what you don't know can kill you, Hosea 4.6. What you do know and act upon can change your life in one day. Some people are waiting for God to come and touch them. God touched you at Calvary. What you don't know is what's keeping you from freedom. This is why we get into spiritual orphanhood. Nobody cares for me. I hate the spirit of Eeyore. I'll kick it right out of our church. I just don't understand. Nobody loves me. Well, they don't want to be around you because you're so toxic. Toxicity was cured at the cross. I just feel, I just feel alone. How do you feel so alone? Jesus lives in you. See, it's what we don't know that's hurting us. And he showed me one verse, and I was like, okay, I've been full of self-hatred my whole life. I just went to seminary, and I still don't know why you died on the cross. Let me get this straight. And I, I said this to him. I said, Father, okay, so in my Christology, I get it. What do you think about me? And I heard loud, we think you're funny. And I was like, who is we? And then I'm like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I grew up in a church. We're singing it every Sunday. God in three persons. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The blood of Calvary is upon me. Yom Kippur, the high priest, never inspected the sins of Israel. It only inspected the lamb. You're telling me because of Jesus, I can come into the throne room anytime I want to. Not to avoid hell, but to talk to you about anything. See, it wasn't the big things about the Father that changed my life. It was the little things. You can ask my wife. I went to thinking God hated me to operating on a level of prophetic that shocked me in six months. I saw blind eyes open nine months after I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with a blind lady named Gail at our church. Nine months before, I'm in the fetal position. Literally, not metaphorically. So don't come at me with, I'm crazy. I am crazy, but I'm right on this. <laughs> and it all changed on one key. I'm as clean as you. Chad's called Grace. This lady flew from Australia to get prayer at our church one time. This is in the old building. <laughs> and uh, she would heard about prayer in our church, and she wanted me to pray for her. Well, that, that night, my wife and I had a marital Intense fellowship of arguing. <laughs> and I didn't want to pray for anybody. I was mad as a hornet. I don't remember what it was. She's probably right. Who knows? <laughs> this lady from Australia walked up to me. Before I could even pray for her, I went to lay my hands on her head. And she dropped. I thought God had killed her. 
And the Lord, had told, the Lord showed me that night. He said, I did that more for you than her to show you this stuff has nothing to do with you. See, a lot of you, you won't say it, but it's like, I wonder if he'll give me a word. I want to tell you something. You don't need a gift of prophecy. You need the revelation of who Jesus is in you. There's this, uh, there this little kid that had triple vision in the hospital. I was walking in the hospital room one night. I got so mad. I said, Lord, if you were here, he would just get whole. The kid got whole without me even praying for the kid. The, the eyesight went back to normal. The wife told uh, my wife, it must be amazing for Chad to have the gift of healing. I don't have the gift of healing. You see, what happens is you start to become a God inside-minded person. You say, whoa, 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 whoa. You mean you're really in me? So then when I'm standing before people and he starts to talk to me and give me words for these people, it's not coming from me. All that's predicated upon you can't cl- stop trying to clean yourself up. You were cleaned up when you believed in the sacrifice. He's the Lamb of God. That'll make you happy. All right, two more steps. Number six. My ability, okay. Ooh. All right. I had a prophet recently give me a word that I'm a thorn. God's made me a thorn. It's really funny. He kind of has. This is kind of thorn. These last two steps are 100% in your hands, not the Father's. We don't like that. I used to be the mayor of Lodi Bar. I associate that with the land of spiritual orphanhood. The truth is, my ability to connect with the Father is in my hands. Hebrews 4.16 says, we come into the throne room anytime we have need. So here's what Satan specializes in. His own, above Satan's desk in hell is a sign that says, condemn the saints. He lives to make accusation against you. So if you are convinced that the Father's upset with you, disappointed in you, you go ahead and start saying out loud because it, it'll, it'll really help you get over this hump. Just, to, just say out loud, you really don't believe in Jesus. That's what you're saying. I receive you, Jesus, for the afterlife, but down here, my transformation is up to my own grit and stamina. Good luck with that. My wife and I were praying about our kids the other day. We got 19, 16, and 13. We're like, Father, we know they're probably going to have to go to therapy. You know, your grace. I mean, what are we going to do besides lean on the grace of the Lord? It's like, I mean, you try to do the best you can parenting. But all of us have parental issues. Why are our kids not going to have issues with us? You know, that's the spirit of stupidity right there. And so, you know, what we're going to do? We're going to invite Jesus into their brokenness. So what my wife and I do, we just go ahead and tell the kids, you know, we'll help, we'll pitch in some money. They look at us like we're crazy. <laughs> we'll pitch in some money. I've got a therapist in Colorado. i got one local. We, we did the best we can. The whole point is this. Come into the throne room of. And then the last, not least, I'd say key number five is probably the most explosive one. We'll close here. It might be this one, though. And this is it. This is, oh, I don't know what to tell you. I'm the lead pastor of a church. I oversee a school, uh, K through 12. My wife is building out. I oversee Garden College. Got about 75 students online and in person. Getting a doctor to have three kids. Um, Starting my second LLC. All that to say this, the little fairy from heaven does not come to stir me up in the morning. 
It'd be awesome if the Lord just manifest, served me coffee, and gave me a pep talk every day. Tony Robbins gets a bunch of people stirred up. I, I'll be out. There's no one. Whose job is it to stir myself up in my most holy faith? Mine. Uh, the ability to lead yourself will be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. The reason people are not successful in marketplace or in church is they develop a victim mentality. The truth is I control my thoughts. I actually am in control of how close I want to be with the Father. I do. And why would Paul say take every thought captive? Every thought? So what the devil does for some of us, all he has to do is just throw a glancing thought of inferiority, condemnation. We'll take the bait like a bass, go to the bottom of the pond, sit there, get in the mud, and pout for 10 years. The thought never came from the Father. I have declared absolute war on self-hatred. I'm done with it. So in my journal, I taught on this in our college the other day, my journal is not a lamenting journal. I'm not very artistic anyway. I wouldn't know what I would say. Um, It's a goal journal and a declaration decree journal. And in the front flap, I have uh, written things down of what God sees in me and how he sees me. And I've noticed over time, the more I do it, the more it starts to take root in me. So think of this. I'll close here and then I'm going to pray for some people. Jesus says about Mark 4, if you do not understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. Think of these seven keys as seeds. And so you plant seeds and then you tend to it. And then you get patient. If you plant these seven seeds over and over and over, it may not be in two months, but in due time, compound interest, if you tend to it, Mark 4, you get the water of the word on it, you get the sun on it, you get vulnerable in the community. These seven keys will produce a harvest that your great-grandchildren, who may never meet you, will draft off of. These are the seeds of spiritual capital that lead to a legacy. That one day you will get to heaven and there will be someone runs up to you and hugs you because of the seeds that you planted in your own life. You will leave your body and you're not taking much with you except spiritual capital. So why not learn what it is and how to grow it? Do you know that you can break a cycle of addiction in your family tree? You can sow these seeds. I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm just I'm drawing lines. You're great, 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 great if the Lord doesn't come back by then. Your family tree can be so robust. You have an Abrahamic storyline. Well, I'm just not a pastor. All 12 disciples that Jesus picked were marketplace disciples. Not one was from the synagogue. Not one was from the temple. The church, I just wrote a, a book called God is Shaking His Temple. It's not coming to church houses. It's going into the streets. It's going to be through discipling models of marketplace leaders. You're seeing a collision of the kingly and the priestly right now. Stop making excuses of why you're not wealthy spiritually. By the way, here's how to know if you're wealthy spiritually. You walk into a room. You don't say a word. Watch who is drawn to you. You don't have to open your mouth. Has anybody ever been in the room with someone that has so much money it is very awkward? If a person knows that, watch how fidgety other people get around that person. It's the same way except more someone with spiritual capital. I walked into a, I was in Augusta, Georgia. I walked into a gas station. A man walks up to me. I'm in a gas station looking for a Coca-Cola. A man walks up to me and goes, we hate you. 
I'm in Haiti. A witch doctor is so agitated because I went and stood beside him. Some of us are so small, we just hope God doesn't hate us. Remember sons of Sceva? Excuse me, I know Jesus and I know Paul. Who are you? You can get to such a place in God when you walk into a room, the enemy's terrified and other saints are drawn to you because they can smell and feel the spiritual capital you carry. If you're talking a lot, you don't have a lot of capital. It's like the fat guy that opened up a fitness store. It ain't going to work. You don't want to do that. But what you can do, you walk in somewhere and you know Abba, watch what happens. Seriously. Woo. All right. That was fun. Um, you want to come play for a second? I, I'm, I have never done this in my life. Usually it's if you need to come to the altar and get stuff straight with God. If you are so tired of self-cutting yourself and you see the worst in yourself and, and you just beat yourself up all the time and you've drifted away from the gospel, will you just raise your hand right now? I'm just going to speak a blessing over you. If you spend more time reminding yourself who you're not than who you are. All right, so instead of coming up here to get things straight, I'm just going to speak a blessing over you. May these seven keys change your life. I bless all of you that you would stop making an excuse of why you're not wealthy spiritually. And Holy Spirit, I ask for these people with hands raised that you really illuminate what actually happened at Calvary. What happened? He shows me a picture of a dog chasing its tail. If you'll just stop and realize that tail, it's already on you. Calvary's not going to happen. It's already happened. I bless this house specifically, Fusion Church, with a strong season of Romans 12, 1, 2, the transforming of the mind. I bless this house with extreme spiritual capital wealth. Father, I thank you for Chell. Thank you for Jen. Wendy and I just speak a blessing over them, a hedge of protection. I ask that you protect them from the evil one. I ask you, Father, that in this season you would refresh them, honor them, member of this church, can you, you mind or anybody in here, can you just stretch your hands towards Chell and Jim? We bless you with prosperity of heaven. Father, I thank you for their faithfulness in unseen places. And I ask that you put the gifts within them on display even for a region in training of others. Father, I thank you that you are elevating Chell in this season to give away which what he has developed with you in private. I thank you for his tender heart. I thank you for how much he has stirred up in you. I thank you for his wife. Frontier, frontier, frontier. I keep hearing the word frontier over you both. I see a hub being developed here. I see some relationships that you didn't see coming. I see the training of leaders in this room. I even see your relationship with Dave getting closer. What Jason has with Dave, the pastor of this other church that meets here, is a representation of the kingly and priestly uh, colliding. I see Jason and Dave, the kingly and priestly. I see Mark Ritchie and you, kingly and priestly. There's a training hub. It's a training hub just being formed. And I just see some, some a coalition of like-minded uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord that begin to train others that God's going to bring through here. 
I was with Chris Norman in a restaurant in Los Angeles, a pastor not far from here that I know you know, Chell. And I prophesied over him so hard. He went back to his hotel room that night and Paul McConaughey and him prayed and the Holy Spirit fell powerfully upon him. There's even a connection to Paul McConaughey. It's, it's a regional thing. God's called you to a regional thing. Also, um, this educational thing on you, do not laugh when the Father comes calling for you to continue your education. father calls someone to submit to a house it's not a tyrannical thing it's actually meant for a couple of reasons one is for your protection and the second round specifically number two is for your prosperity i just encourage you many of you to the degree in which you honor your shepherds here and challenge in do not be surprised when that hits all the capitals including your financial capital i see an increase of honor in this house towards you too Sowing finances into these two is a big deal in your own life. Father, I bless the relationship between Fusion Church and what, what is the name of the church that meets here? Hope Collective. I just bless, I bless the friendships of that. I bless the missional assignment to train leaders on both houses. whatever's on your heart and then I'll just turn it over to chill. Talk to him like he's sitting right beside you. show that last slide before I hand it over to Joe? There's one more slide. Would you look at that just please? See, think about this. Remember when Jesus resurrects and remember what Mary calls him after the tomb? She didn't call him master or even Lord. She called him rabbi. So Jesus was a teacher. What you understand can become your reality. These seven keys are worthless if you don't understand them. And so just pound on them over and over and over and over. And I promise they will take root and there will be a harvest in this.